welcome to another edition of Name Two Bands with Andy and Andy. My name is Andy Brown, and joining me as always, it's Andy Sanford. I think this is episode 14? I believe it is episode 14. And this is a little different episode this time. Um, We're going to do Alice in Chains and Pearl Jam. And we have not one, but two guests. Um, And one of each will be pleading the case for each respective band. Um, Pleading the case for Pearl Jam. It's our old friend, Matt Clark. How are you, Matt? Good. How are you guys doing? Good. Very good. Good, Matt. If I'm not mistaken, you live in the Pittsburgh area, correct? I do. And you work for the Health and Welfare Office of the State of Pennsylvania? The Department of Human Services Division of Quality Control. Outstanding. And of course, you love your job very so much. So you, you service humans? <laughs> uh, in a manner of speaking. <laughs> or make sure that the quality of human service is good, I guess. Okay. Is properly controlled. That's right. Oh, yeah. Very good. Very good. Which, of course, is kind of an odd uh, job for a radical libertarian, but we won't hold it against you. Um, hey, we, we get them where we can take them. <laughs> rather more famously, of course, um, you maintain and run our forum for our fake baseball league for Out of the Park Baseball, and you do a fine job, so we salute you. Well, I do a job, but thank you. <laughs> well, you have didn't to clean he, after. Didn't he my... usurp it from you? Uh, I, wouldn't that... say you I wouldn't say you, he usurped it. Uh, I kind of <laughs> wasn't really doing it anymore, and he kind of picked up the mantle. So, Yeah, uh, I think I more rescued it. Yeah, oh, yeah, okay. I think that's the, the proper terminology. Um, <laughs> and arguing the case for Alice in Chains is going to be my cousin, Ryan Brown. How are you, Ryan? I'm good. How are you, fellas? Outstanding. Um, and... About the same as I was when Matt's asked. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, Ryan and I are the same age, so um, we have a close-knit Mormon family, so we kind of grew up together. And, in fact, we graduated the same year. Um, and Twin you live Falls in... High School. Twin Falls High School, class of 95, represent. Um, and, of course, you live in Boise. And I'm not totally sure. I mean, I kind of know what you do, but do you want to kind of explain what you do for a living? Uh, Yeah, it actually has something to do with, um, I think, in Matt's field. I actually own my own consulting business, and I consult providers that provide services to people with mental illness and developmental disabilities. I help them get through audits and surveys from the state. That sounds good. So you... uh... you Super fight boring. man for the little people. Well, yeah, I don't know, I put, really I, for I the little back people. Back at the bullies. He said for like disabled and. Yeah, he. What else? Well, yeah, he's more on the provider side, helping the providers, but um, uh, helping comply with rules. Uh, he and works for the man and splitting hairs. Yeah. And, which I'm sure is very fun. <laughs> it makes me old, man. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it does. Uh, uh, thankfully, though, you don't have the furniture store blues, so you've got that. Going I don't. The stupid shitheads at the factory. <laughs> you know, I don't have to worry about that anyway. Yeah, that is true. Uh, so 
We don't have too much uh, to get to this week. Um, we are not doing reviews because Andy still hasn't done his homework. Um, so we just what wanted to this? run through a few quick items. Um, the first is Andy kind of had a, a little bit of a big event this weekend uh, where he got to meet Gene Simmons. Um, yeah, I hung out with Gene. And uh, we, cool. will be, we will be recording a special pod um, tomorrow night where we just talk about that. Detail, because be, yeah, because I'm going for an hour at least. So yeah, yeah, probably an hour of you talking about meeting Gene Simmons. Um, no, no way to no way to shorten that one. <laughs> no. And is he as big other... a dick as he comes off? Is he what? Is he is he as big a dick as he comes off in the in media and interviews? Nah, that, that's just his media persona. He has different personas based on uh, the event at the time. In you know, in real life, he's actually a really super nice guy. And whenever he's doing the um, events, meeting Kiss fans, he's you know he turns on the charm. So he was mm. he was extremely entertaining and very fun to hang out with. And of course, the other thing um, that you've got going on, and uh, we'll put a link in the description to kind of a, a teaser trailer for your album that you have coming out with Telestrion on 420. Um, yeah, this Friday it will be out. Uh, at least it will be out on Bandcamp, and we will probably have CDs ready to sell. The vinyl will still be two, three weeks away, hopefully. Maybe maybe a little long. I don't know. Vinyl sometimes takes a minute, but I'm going to try and get it set up to where if someone mainly wants vinyl, they can go ahead and pre-order the vinyl and go ahead and get the digital download with that um so you know anyone that's wanting to go ahead and hear it can but if they prefer to have vinyl they can best of both worlds and i'll let you plug the cds are going to be cool the cds we're doing like the the uh japanese mini lp style so it'll be like a little uh CD-sized vinyl package, basically. It's going to be gatefold with the little inner sleeves and stuff, so it's going to be the CDs are going to be really cool, even nice. though no one likes CDs anymore. No, not really. <laughs> um, and once again, we'll let, like you, uh, we'll let you plug, once again, um, who is on the drums for this album. Oh, yeah, Rick Parnell, who is also known as Mick Shrimpton, drummer of Spinal Tap, but he also played in some really cool, obscure, underground 70s bands like Atomic Rooster and Horse and Nova, and then he also played drums on Oh Mickey, You're So Fine, You're So Fine, You Blow My Mind, Hey Mickey. Yeah, and you just hooked that up by asking him on Facebook, right? Yeah, just sent a message. Yeah. Said, hey, if I can make this happen, are you willing? And uh, he's like, yep. Originally, so- the very original plan, I was going to go out to Montana and record out in a studio out there where he lives, but... It worked out better to fly him down here and record where we normally record. Which, of course, is very, very cool. Um, There are a couple items I wanted to get to real quick before we get into it. Um, The first one, um, I'm sure this was big news for you today, Andy, that uh, Kendrick Lamar became the first uh, non-classical or non-jazz musician to be awarded the Pulitzer Prize for music. Wow. (laughs) You know, I mean, if they want to cheapen and devalue the Pulitzer Prize <laughs> like that, they're more than welcome to. That's exactly.
exactly the kind of reaction I was hoping for. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the bigger thing uh, that happened today, and this actually, as soon as I heard this, I was in a good mood for the rest of the day, all day long. So I'll just ex- explain this a little bit uh, to people. So uh, last Monday, uh, a week ago, uh, Michael Cohen, who is the personal lawyer for Donald Trump, uh, had his offices raided by the FBI under the auspices of the uh, federal uh, attorneys for the Southern District of New York. Um, and his lawyers on Friday filed a motion um, asking to suppress any evidence that had been collected because uh, his attorney-client privileges would be violated uh, by the government seeing any of that information that they had collected. And they argued that uh, it was an undue hardship because Cohen had about a thousand um, clients. And the judge asked him, how did you arrive at that figure of a thousand? And he said, uh, well, just uh, talking to the other defense counsels. And she said, do you have any evidence that the number is a thousand? And he said, uh, no, we don't have anything uh, that we could present right now. And so he said, the judge said, uh, um, how about you try and present some by 4 p.m. today? And, of course, they did not present any evidence by 4 p.m. So she ordered that today that they present the evidence of how many clients Michael Cohen actually has. And between 2007 and 2017, he had precisely one Two. client. One. Oh, one. <laughs> Donald uh, J. Trump. And from 2007 or 2017 to 2018, he had 10 clients, only three of which he performed any legal work for. The first was Donald Trump. The second was some RNC fundraiser um, who just resigned from the RNC because Cohen had arranged a $1.6 million payment to a Playboy model um, in hush money. And they said that there was a third one, but that the third client did not want his name revealed. Uh, because it would be embarrassing for him. And the judge said, that's not, has no bearing on the law. I asked you to turn over the names. Is there some other reason you can't turn over the name? And they said, okay, we'll go ahead and, and give you the name. And, oh, what is that? Is that Sean Hannity's music? It was. It was indeed Sean Hannity, uh, which, of course, is outstanding. Uh, so here's what I want to know. Okay, go ahead. I want to know which porn star they're paying to not talk about (laughs) fucking Sean Hannity. And isn't that pretty easy because she doesn't want to admit it anyways. Yeah, of course. (laughs) Maybe it was, uh, she was arranging a payment to keep Sean Hannity quiet about it. Yeah, Yeah, I'll I'll fuck you, but you better, you're not going (laughs) to talk about this with anyone. And, of course, that shows fantastic ethics on the part of uh, Sean Hannity because he's been talking about all of this stuff for the past year and a half without disclosing um, that Michael Cohen is his lawyer, including he went apoplectic when Michael Cohen's office got raided uh, a week ago. Um, And then Sean Hannity um, put out a statement that said that um, he actually had never actually retained Michael Cohen and he'd never paid him any money and Michael Cohen had never done any legal work for him. However, 
Um, he still he wants a client attorney privilege. Yes, he still wants attorney client privilege. <laughs> <laughs> That's not how this works. Um, and it was funny. I was listening to uh, his program today, um, as I normally do when I'm at work. Uh, and uh, while he was on the air, he said, uh, hold on. Uh, I got to respond to this. I am on the air. People, please stop calling me. Uh, so that had me rolling. Just wondering who was trying to get a hold of him. No doubt worried. Um, yeah. But uh, we don't want this to go uh, too long. And I'm sure both Matt and Ryan have uh, extensive cases prepared. So we'll go ahead and uh, play the get clip. Into it. And then we'll get right into it. Oh, Oh, shoot, and I'm not prepared. I have to load the clip real quick. One second. Doing my usual crack production job here. I told you you need to just quit with the crack. I know, especially right before the show.
So uh, typically, um, we list which bands uh, we like more right at the start. And I think uh, we know which way both Matt and Ryan are going on this one. Um, so why don't you go ahead and uh, give us your thoughts, Andy? Um, it's pretty close for me because I, you know, I like both these bands about the same way. I really like a couple of their albums and then a few other songs here and there. And then they have a, both have several things that I just have no interest in and never got into. Um, I like, I liked uh, mother love bone better than Pearl jam, but I did really like Pearl jam when they, when they first came out. I still enjoy 10 quite a bit. I still enjoy verses quite a bit. Uh, Alice in Chains, I, I have fond memories of buying Dirt at midnight and being super hyped for that, and I was into them from, from the get-go with Facelift, and um, I lost my virginity to Down in a Hole, so that gives them kind of a, <laughs> an edge. Um, but for now, I'm going to call it a draw and listen to uh, Ryan and Matt's arguments and make make up my mind at the end. I guess a slight edge to Alice in Chains right now, but... That Pearl Jam's got a lot of good stuff going for them, including the fact that they've jammed with Ace Fraley on stage. So, Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, it's pretty close for me as well, um, despite my uh, trolling of Ryan on Facebook. Um, I guess I would say I like acoustic Pearl Jam, or excuse me, acoustic Alice in Chains um, more than I like uh, Pearl Jam. Um, but I like regular Pearl Jam um, more than I like metal Alice in Chains. Um, so I guess I'd go Pearl Jam by a nose. Um, but Matt, why don't you go ahead and uh, walk us through Pearl Jam? I was, I've been thinking about this today. First, I'm not nearly the uh, music history expert you fellas are. So placing them in their proper context and music history and stuff, that's not... Not really something I'm going to be able to do quite as well. That's fine. Just tell us why um, you like them so much. There's, there's there were two things, two thoughts that occurred to me today thinking about uh, this that a lot of people have always said about Pearl Jam. One is that Pearl Jam was the band that spawned a thousand candle boxes, <laughs> and for that, that is a big negative. We have spent 25 years apologizing to the rest of the music community for that. Ultimately, he is responsible for Scott Stapp. So. That, is, exactly. that is very true. Exactly. That is very true. That Eddie Vedder is who Scott Stapp was trying to be. Yes. So we're sorry for that. <laughs> um, the other thing that I've um, heard Pearl Jam described as, both um, positively and uh, derisively, is that they were the last great classic rock band. I, I'd say that's accurate. Um, what's that? I'd say that's accurate. Yeah. Um, they didn't start out as one. Obviously, coming up with the uh, rest of the Seattle Four and the early grunge movement and everything. Um, but after the, you know, the their uh, first three big albums... Um, Eddie took them on a different path and kind of reformed them into a um, basically a 90s version of The Who and Neil Young. Yep. Um, for me, 
that's not a problem. <laughs> I, that's kind of when they lost me, and, and they have songs here and there that I really like, and the self-titled Avocado album I, I do really like, but that is pretty much when they when they lost me as like, you know following them regularly. Yeah, that's when they lost a lot of people. Um, yeah, for sure. With um, 10, Versus, and Vitology, were all the three albums that everybody knows. Then came an album that hardly anybody knows called No Code, which is my favorite Pearl Jam album. It's a great record. Well, it also came out at the same record. time they were fighting with Ticketmaster. Um, right. And that is when their uh, popularity plateaued, we can I do say, love them for the Ticketmaster thing. Um, What's that? Yeah, a cult band, yeah. Yeah, let's, yeah. let's, let's back up for a second, though. Um, and let's kind of go go through those first three albums because um, ten um, still is that's my favorite Pearl Jam album. Um, I know the production level on it was definitely different um, than their next uh, couple albums. Um, it was way more clean and poppy, but it also sounds really great. Um, but the bigger thing is that there's not a single bad song on it, um, nope. and I think Alive, Porch, and Release are like just all timers so black um, too i, I never I did black, like so jeremy even before it was like overplayed yeah no. jeremy is probably my least favorite song on that album i still love yeah. it but it's probably my least favorite song on that album yeah. yeah i can't i can't listen to it anymore after it got played about 120 times per five <laughs> minutes on mtv <laughs> well didn't uh, and, and even the even the b-sides from 10 are amazing what were you we, gonna say right well, I was going to say, when Pearl Jam reissued uh, 10 not too long ago, they uh, glossed up some of the production. Like, it doesn't I, – I haven't listened to the reissued version of it, but I had read that they had um, adjusted some of the mix or how they had gone about doing it to where it actually sounded a little bit different from its original release. And I don't know if, if that's true, but it kind of, to make it kind of sound like some of their more um, current-sounding records – that was just something that I had read about. So I don't know. I, I kind of like how the original album sounded and how yeah, it was mixed. Too. But I had read something that they had when they reissued it not too long ago, I think for the 20th anniversary, that they had done some different kind of production on it. They did that with all the Nirvana and Soundgarden stuff, so it wouldn't surprise me if they did it with yeah. Pearl Jam too. Right. Have you heard that, Matt? Um, I know, yeah, 10 was reissued and um, you know reproduced and whatever, but... I think I listened through it maybe once a while ago, but I've I've never I never found anything wrong with Ten in the first place. So yeah, yeah, maybe. I didn't, yeah. I didn't need a reimagining of Ten. Yeah, and I I'd say uh, Versus is probably my second favorite, um, which was much Might less as well, much less produced um, and really really raw. Um, and like Go is one hell of a way to open an album. Um, yeah. Animals, a really muscular rock song. Um, there's, of course, like Daughter and Elderly Woman, um, kind of as more like the ballad like kind of songs, and those are both really good. Um, Glorified G, I really like, and it's I don't very like that directly. Song. That song is so annoying. A song about... <laughs> that, that is a divisive song. You love that song or you hate that song? Well, it is most Sorry. definitely a, a song about uh, a It sounds like the Four Non Blondes. It's terrible. It's a song about guns <laughs> taking the place of a dick. Uh, that's the very clear subtext of it. It's one uh, of Eddie's more shrill political songs. It can be yes, whatever sure. it wants to be about. I don't have any issue with the subject matter. I have an issue I with like the it. melody. I don't know. I like it. 
Um, Dissonance, fantastic, and WMA, like, that song, boy, does that held up. Um, in fact, it's even more contemporary now, I think, than it was at the time, um, <laughs> as specifically as it applies to the police. Um, and Rats is great. Um, Leash was a great, like, song for being a teenager. Um, and then Indifference is a great way to uh, close the album. Um, and I just listened to uh, Vitology the other night, and that didn't quite hold up as well as I had remembered it. There's a lot of songs about being a teenager on it, um, which is kind of weird. I have to say real quick before we leave Versus that it was a, a very exciting time to be working at a record store when Versus came out because that was just like the peak of, of you know, just the hype and the... Uh, just everyone being interested in that album and being into it. You know, 10 took a long time to really take off. It was out for a long time before yep. it started, you know, selling big. And, right. yeah, um, until Nirvana hit it big, then 10 <laughs> took off. <laughs> yeah. And, I, you know, I was because I was a Mother Love Bone fan, I, had, I actually had the Pearl Jam. I had 10 before it was out. I had a promo of it before it was even out. So I was with them from the get-go. Um, Hell, yeah. But, you know, when, when Versus came out, it was just, I mean, it was insane – how how much excitement there was uh, around that album coming out but you're arguing the uh pearl jam case matt so um go ahead and give us your thoughts on uh versus and then vitology um well versus um you said um certainly no uh no controversial opinion in saying that's one of their stronger albums um, you did, I think when you were listening off the songs, you skipped over probably my favorite song on the album. Well, Elderly Woman's probably my favorite song on the album, but, uh, Rearview Mirror. I think oh, yeah, that's, song. yeah, that's yeah. a really good um, one, too. I, I, I think it's an, it's just, just, it's one of those, just this, just driving feeling to it, and of course it's a great, you know, uh, breaking up with someone who For sure. <laughs> I shouldn't have been with in the first place kind of song. I think that's just an amazing song. It's it's one of my favorite Pearl Jam songs, period. Yeah, and it, it really um, builds up throughout the song. What's that? I said it really builds up throughout the song. Yes. Until the, like, release. Yeah, and that's, that's something that I, that's one of the things that draws me to, like, post-rock music is the building and release of tension. Right. And that's a song that I think Pearl Jam really does it on. Yep. Um, Vitology is where um, I think... Um, like their first two albums, they did almost nothing wrong on them. Vitology is where they start to do some things wrong. Yeah. Um, I think there's some really weak tracks on that album. Um, the the famous one is you know Bugs, uh, where they try to get cutesy. Um, well, that that was making fun of. Stone, wasn't that I like making the song. fun of? Some people don't. <laughs> wasn't Bugs making fun um, of uh, Stone Temple Pilots? I think that. What's was, that? I think Bugs was meant to make fun of Stone Temple Pilots. If I remember correctly, um, they had, that I don't know. Stone Temple Pilots had. Do you remember Andy, or maybe you do, Ryan? There was a song on whatever their big album was that was kind of uh, like something to do with them and like the bath or something. And it Isn't was kind it of pretty like, penny, maybe. Yeah, I think, uh, no, I think I'm not sure. It kind of had the was... same sound as that other as the Pearl Jam track on yeah. Vitology. Yeah. Yeah, I'd I'd have to. Oh no no, where is she? Is she in the bathtub? Have you? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's the one. What is that one? Yeah, yeah. Well, (laughs) that's a song a lot of people don't care for. It's definitely like totally out of style and everything. I kind of like it, but 
I mind. I don't mind it. Um, but there's some other songs on the album that are just weak to me. I don't. I don't care for you know. Whipping doesn't do anything for me. No. Um, Satan's Bed isn't that great of a song. No, hey that's, Fox that's and terrible. Obama, that's me. I don't care for that song. <laughs> that's like um, a that's a Pearl Jam's Revolution Nine is what that is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's definitely an album where they started to try to get cutesy. I think. And yeah. On Bugs, I think it works. On Hey Foxy, Mop Panel Mama, I don't think it works. No, it doesn't. Um, and that's for a lot of people. That's like the last album Pearl Jam ever put out. <laughs> right. That um, album actually, I can't, rec- I cannot bring to mind any of the songs on that album. Y'all are talking to him. I, I can't remember. Any Trimmer. Of um, album. Trimmer. The good songs everybody knows, album. Nothing Man and Better Man are, okay, are off Better that Man. album. Yeah, Corduroy is off one. that album. Spin okay. the Black Circle. Well, and Spin the Black oh, Circle. I, yeah, I like that song. And Trimmer yeah, Christ yeah. is on Vitology too. That's a great song. Yes. Yeah. 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 That's Those are strong song. songs. Yep. Um, but like I said, for a lot of people, that's the last album they had. Um, not me. <laughs> no, not me. Their next album was my favorite album. It's it's easily my favorite Pearl Jam album. Um, I when I discovered Pearl Jam, it was I think it was in like eighth grade, ninth grade, something like that. And Yield had just come out, and that was the first Pearl Jam album that I really listened to. And I had a buddy who was a Pearl Jam fan, and I knew all of like the radio songs off the first three albums, and he lent me the fourth album, came in between Vitology and Yield, called No Code, which is where they went way out of character. They did the the, the cliche, we're going to infuse, you know, the Eastern style meditative music into us now thing that a lot of bands do. I think it works. I absolutely love the first five songs off of No Code. I could just take those five songs to my desert island with me forever. I don't think there's a single radio song that came off of this album. No, there was not. Red Mosquito? Um, what's that? Wasn't Red Mosquito a pretty popular track off of that one? It came off that album. I never heard it on the radio. I've never I, heard I never any song off this album played on the radio. And that's yeah. all I listened to growing up was <laughs> the stations that would be playing Pearl Jam. Um, so if that song was played, it wasn't played around here. Um, but they weren't even able to tour to support the album because this is when they were fighting with Ticketmaster. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's another reason why nothing from this album, you know, hit big. Well, Those... Ticketmaster's in Bell Clear Channel, so, you know, they're not going to play anything right. on the radio. Exactly. Um, so, like, those first five songs, Sometimes, Hail, Hail, Who You Are, In My Tree, Smile. I adore those five songs. Smile is probably one of my favorite Pearl Jam songs, just period. Yeah, those are great songs. Um, but it's a very, very much a – because I found the album as a, you know, as a freshman, sophomore in high school, something like that, there's a lot of, like, a lot of the themes of the album are growing up sort of things or, you know, thinking about your identity, who you are, that kind of stuff. Um, and, you know, that's really that place in life where that's – might be where that's what you're starting to think about a lot. And so that's a big reason why this album really hit it with me. Um, because that was the exact time in my life I found it. And that's what a lot of this album is about. But it's easily my favorite Pearl Jam album. Like, no question. Um, yeah. I know a lot of people don't care for it because it does sound so different. Even not just from the first three albums, but from the albums that followed. It's very different, but 
I don't care. I love it. I adore it. I could listen to it forever. Yeah, and I I haven't listened to that album in a long time. Um, and I was I always try to listen to as much of whatever two artists were doing in the week in the build up, but I didn't have uh, time to listen to that one. But when I just clicked on it um, to look and see, hey, what's up? What's on that album? Just to refresh my memory. And yeah, there's a lot of good songs on that. Um, in fact, mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to make a point to listen to it at some point this week. Um, I don't know I if mean, I've among, heard it more than once, so I might listen to it too. Like among the ones that you didn't mention, um, I thought "Off He Goes" is really good. Um, Habits really good. Um, Present tense. Um, I'm open. Those are just the ones that, going from memory, that I remember I liked. Yeah, well, my yeah. wife, my my wife's favorite Pearl Jam record is "No Code," and when we met, like she really liked listening to "No Code." We have Andy. I have a. We used to drive that little Mercury links around, right? And we right. drove to Yosemite listening to No Code the whole time. And oh wow! So good memories with No Code. Yeah, I'd imagine so. He might turn on Alice in Chains for a <laughs> no, 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 Jam, but uh, 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 we'll we'll go WrestleMania on this. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm here to convince you too, not the Alice in Chains. Guy. <laughs> He's a lost cause. <laughs> and so then up next was yield which was uh that was kind of a return to yeah i wouldn't what, say form i think but... i think every single critic that reviewed that album called it that a return yeah. to their old sound yeah it was for sure um i like it was the first pearl jam album that i owned like i think it was like the third cd at all that i owned the first two i owned were uh, Everclear, So Much for the Afterglow, and Oof. Semisonic's Feeling Strangely Fine. And yeah, then I bought Pearl Jam's Yield. Um, and it's probably the, pretty quick then. Because I've had it the longest, it's probably the album I've listened to more than any other album. Even though I like No Code more, yeah. I've probably listened to Yield more than anything else. And it's um, it's legitimately really good. It is. I Well, I'm supposed to say that, but <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I think it's a great album. Um, some... Some of my favorite songs off the album, or some of my favorite songs in Pearl Jam's entire uh, catalog are off this album. Um, Given to Fly is probably yeah. a, a top five song of mine. Um, Wishlist might be one of the best list songs ever. <laughs> I would, I would um, agree. I know a lot of people uh, despise list songs. Um, I don't care one way or the other, but I absolutely love Wishlist. Um, even like um, the... Uh, was it the sort of spoken word "push me, pull me"? That yeah, that's great. Comes that's towards great. The, end of the album is a great song. Yeah, I love that. There's this is an it's an album where there's they were a little it was a return to form, but they they were still doing little bits of ex- experimentation here and there instead of an entire album full of it like No Code was, and like. Push Me, Pull Me is one of those songs where Eddie's not singing. Right. Um, it's a little bit different from what they had always been doing, but it, to me it works, and it works extremely well. Um, the pilot one is a little weird. Like like pilot, I have a dog. I'm still not sure what that is supposed to be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it, it comes right in between two of the better songs on the album, too. Yeah. Um, and do the right evolution. between Wishlist and Do the Evolution. Yeah, and Do the um, Evolution, it should be noted, that video is fucking awesome. Yes, it is. I believe that was the first video they had done since 10. 
Yeah, yeah. 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 Doing videos. Yep. Yep. And they returned to doing them with Do the Evolution, which was just animated by the Spawn guy, Todd McFarlane, I think. Yeah, that was cool. Um, They weren't even in it, but I think it was their first video in, I guess at that point it had been, what, six years probably? Five years? Or more. Yeah, that's a fantastic video. Yeah, and uh, there's a couple of quieter songs on there that I really like too. Um, Faithful um, and uh, All Those Yesterdays. Those are both really good. And they had a live DVD um, from that tour that I don't even remember what it's called, but I I bought that, and it was really pretty good. I don't have that. It's funny you mentioned the quieter songs because, um, as as much as they came up with you know the I guess the quote unquote harder grunge movement, it's probably their quieter ballad songs that they're best known for. Yeah. Um, yep. Not the grungy sounds. It's the classic rock sounding songs are the ones that they're best known for. Um, whether it's you know, even black off of ten, you know, mm-hmm. that's <laughs> it's a loud ballad, it, it, but it's a ballad. Exactly. Um, they were they were already setting themselves up even with that first album. And after after yield. Um, they lost me, so I'm not going to be able to yeah. <laughs> contribute from here After on After Yield out. came an album that is, to me, probably one of the more disappointing ones, and that's Binaural. Um, I like Binaural. One of my favorite songs they ever did is off this album. I hate the production on most of this album. Um, they changed producers for this album. Um... Well, it wasn't and, sort of an experimental production trying to use, using binaural miking techniques? Um, that sounds familiar, but... I think that had I'm something to do the, with it. I'm not the actual musician guy, so... <laughs> right, right. Um, but to me, Eddie's vocals on the album are missing something. And um, it strikes me the most on the song on the album that's my favorite song, which is Light Years. Um, a, a, to me, a great song about losing a close loved one unexpectedly. And one of the strengths of Pearl Jam was always Eddie's voice. And on this particular track, his voice has been so over-processed, the bottom is missing out of his voice, and it just it takes a lot out of the song for me. Um, it's, such, it's still such a good song that it's still one of my favorite songs. But that's what I meant when I described the album as disappointing. It could have been so much better if it had been produced differently. Um, and you a are... lot of this album is that way. If it had been produced differently, I think it could have been a great album. And instead, it it's just always just missing a little something when I listen to it. I find it disappointing. I think it's probably probably their weakest album. And just to uh, real quick, you are correct, uh, Andy. They yeah, they were trying to capture kind of like, you know, a, a, a live in the room kind of sound with the with the binaural miking techniques. And so when you do that, you are going to lose a lot of, you know, by not doing close miking and separate tracking, you're going to lose a lot of the, the depth of, of everything uh, in exchange for, you know, trying to get a, a more real blended sound. But yeah, you know, that's it, it doesn't always work. Yeah, it, it does not work for me. Um, I like it. I still still love the album. I still listen to it, pull it out every once in a while. But I think it could have been so much more um, if it had been produced differently. 
Yeah, I had I had checked out by this time, and I didn't I didn't hear anything again until the uh, self titled, which I did enjoy. You probably Most heard. Most people have by you, now. The only people listening to Pearl Jam are the, the ones the diehards. Yeah, <laughs> you probably uh, heard. I have, uh, I have a diehard friend, and, and it's cool, man. It's cool. Pearl Jam is cool to be a diehard fan of Pearl Jam. They make it cool. You know, there are a lot of live stuff available, and they change the set list up, and they they do cool stuff that you know. It's like I wish I liked them more so I could get in on it. <laughs> And Eddie Vedder's a uh, Eddie Vedder's a Cubs fan, so oh yeah, yeah. Always the Wrigley Field for, shows were that. awesome with Ernie Banks and shit. Um, and uh, well, uh, I thought Pirates it was cool. Fan, so we'll whatever. <laughs> agree to disagree. What's up with, what's up with your closer? Can't decide what his name is. <laughs> Sorry, I'm getting this off track. <laughs> um, on on by neural though, I'm I'm sure you heard uh, nothing as it seems, Andy. Yeah, I think that was the radio song that Maybe. came off that album. Man, I'm, I yeah. no, I actually, I, I remember listening to that album just because I was curious because I'd read about the recording technique, and I was just like, you know, I, I, it was one of those albums that I listened to. It left no impression, and I don't recall it. Yeah. And the next <laughs> album, I, I, I know I'm supposed to be the one defending Pearl Jam here. That's one I won't blame you for that one. Um, <laughs> it, <laughs> I, I, the album. I, disappointment is just the word that I just keep coming back to. It's just disappointing to me. It could have been so much better. And uh, the next one, the next album, has, I would say, hands down, uh, the worst song that Pearl Jam ever recorded. Um, Bush Leaker? You are correct. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, I, I mentioned Glorified G was one of Eddie's more shrill political songs. Bush Leaker is the shrill political song. Yeah, and it's, it's just um, dumb. It is so dumb. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I I know you mean it because I know your politics. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> um, will probably largely align with yeah. Eddie's. Um, but that song is yeah, hands down one of the worst. I think I I think you I think I couldn't really disagree with that. Well, but Bush was just really bad for music generally because all these people who didn't um, generally do political songs started writing political songs, and they weren't Bob Dylan to say the least. Like even no. uh, even like <laughs> even Neil Coo- Young, even Kulishaker did a bad song about George Bush. <laughs> like Neil Young put down that put out that whole album Greendale. Oh that, yeah, that was uh, no, that was, Bush, and, I thought oh it was my god, the War was, album. Yeah, that was, was the War awful. album. Awful. That was awful. Um, but anyway, yeah, is, so. <laughs> is is that the is that the uh, defining negativity of the Bush presidency was all the uh, bad music we got out of it? Absolutely of that, not. Should, not, should, the should, million, should, not the million. Not the million. around this time. <laughs> should we mention Mirrorball because that was around this time or before? Oh uh, yeah, I think that came a little before. Yeah, and, no, that was yeah, earlier. Um, that was I remember earlier. That Mirrorball. Was, I thought it was pretty cool. That was ninety five. Yes. That was that way was back in ninety five. That was earlier. I think that was around. I think it was No Code era. I think yeah. that was when uh, they uh, did Merkin Ball with uh, Young, and uh, they got to release a few singles, Mirror Ball themselves. They weren't allowed to be credited as Pearl Jam on Young's album. Right. Uh, yeah, that, that was still cool, though. Because of the recording contracts. But it was them. They were on the whole thing. Yeah. Oh, it definitely was. Um, and you can tell that's probably my favorite Neil Young album, because he's <laughs> got my favorite band backing him on it. Sure. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that was... That was back when they were uh, uh, busy turning themselves into a cult band. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but um, Ride Act still has some of my favorite songs on it. Um, Save You, Love Boat Captain, I yeah. Am Mine, Thumbing My Way. Um, yeah, those are all good. And again, they're all like leaning towards the ballads. Yeah. Um, 
especially Thumbing My Way, is a very sad-sounding song. It's a very sad lyrical song with a little bit of hope in it. Um, but it's... Eddie can write a ballad, and... For sure. Know, not, not every grunge rocker could do it. And they, they um, did have, a, actually, a video for Thumbing My Way, which I've never seen, but apparently they had a video for it. It's I'm been sure a it's long on time YouTube. since I've seen it. Um, this is a very nostalgia album for me because it's the one they had come out when I was in college. Um, so <laughs> when I need to feel like I'm sitting in my dorm room again, this is the album that I want because <laughs> um, I listen to this one a lot. Um, usually skipping track number 12, <laughs> Bush Leaguer. Sure. Um, because at that time, I also didn't care for the politics of the song. <laughs> um, but <laughs> A little different now. Now it's just... Exactly. Now my, my views have changed. Now it's the music of the song that just drives me nuts. And yeah. The shrillness of it. Like John Boehner's opinion on marijuana, you're, you're allowed <laughs> to evolve your thoughts. <laughs> exactly. As long as I evolve them correctly, right? <laughs> <laughs> um... So let me see. Uh, after that was that the was album. the self-titled was next. Yeah, the self-titled. The self-titled the avocado man is, album. Is, the avocado I hate album. the self-titled one. You don't you like do? it? It's... I thought it was really good. Oh, I hate it. So here's the thing. Here's kind of a weird connection to me. Is, mm-hmm. um, so the self-titled album, they went over to what J Records, which is the Clive yep. Davis, and he to me just strikes me as an old bag of dicks. <laughs> and he's the. I remember seeing some sort of clip or reading something somewhere where he was. These poor schmucks from one of those boy bands that he was responsible for were trying to convince him to let them write their own music and put it on their own record. And so from that moment on, it was like seared into mind that he's an asshole and that <laughs> it was all about making money. And so when they moved, when Pearl Jam went over and you know signed with Clive Davis, and in my mind, that was where there was a real downward spiral for me. Just that weird association with the boy band and this old dude who is just trying to make. Okay, money. but you have you ever heard a boy band album where they've written their own songs? It's not pretty. <laughs> no, that's the point. And these guys, these 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 poor kids were trying to twist his arm to let them write one of their own tracks. So. And I'm sure he was like, "No fucking way," which is <laughs> yeah, a smart much, answer. Yeah. yeah, that's smart. That's not. That, that's, that's not. That's just. Yeah, smart. but it's Pearl Jam, and so you know we're not. It's a. It's well, not necessarily Jam, yeah. the boy band, but right. You don't want to be associated in, with in that a way. Sort of thing. He was. I could. For me, it kind of feels and the sounds like on the self-titled album that they're they're making the record for the label. Well, I, I didn't know about any of that other stuff at the time. I I was uh, spent about a year, about six years after my first record store job. I started working at a different record store as a as a second part time job for about for about a year, and that album came out at that point. So I mean, all I knew is oh, it's a new Pearl Jam album. I'll check it out and see if, if you know, see what I think since I've got to sell it. I tried to get and, into uh, it. I couldn't. I thought it was. I thought it was good. It reminded me of the old Pearl Jam that that I that I liked. Like that's uh, what the that's the, what the, the first two songs on an album just like what great one two punch. You know, they're saying like when they were you know, experiencing we their greatest here, you know? commercial success, right? It reminded me of when <laughs> yeah. they had their greatest commercial success, and I think that well, that's what that old dude wanted to recreate. Since, uh, maybe that's what they wanted too, though. Maybe, maybe they shared that vision. However, maybe so. You know, however, you see it, you know. So I do. Well, uh, I think they've been pretty set in uh, the level of commercial success that they want. Yeah, I think and so too. I, don't I, think they, I, I think they shied away. They didn't really want 
what they got no, on they, Tenon versus Nessus. They very specifically yeah, I think they scaled it back to exactly yeah, what they, they very wanted, specifically you know, did not want commercial success. A dedicated um, cult following. But from I have Wikipedia right in front of me, so this is what the band had to say about that. Uh, Vetter said Jay was picked as they searched for, quote, somebody who will allow us to be who we are and respects how we do things, end quote, and contributed with the, quote, facilitation of getting the music out there. Gossard mm-hmm. added the label did not input any time or creative constraints upon the band. Quote, we didn't play them much music until it was basically done and they were pleased. They weren't expecting us to do something, so that was unnatural for us. Uh, so that's what they they had to say about it. Um, as yeah, that was my understanding of the whole J Records label because that they were one of like the first acts to get signed to it. I think. What did they, you think about that album, Matt? Since you are the biggest Pearl Jam fan right. in the, in the um, world, <laughs> it's an album that has singles I'll listen to off of it, but I I don't normally listen to it all the way through very much. I don't think there's bad songs on it just songs that don't grab me as much as on some of their other albums right um like i like the opener life wasted is a good strong opener um i think parachutes is another great ballad (laughs) um that they're so good at writing um gone is another uh, not a ballad it's more of just a classic rock sounding song that's that's a good one yeah another good one but there's some other songs that, like, I'm looking at the track list here, and I'm not 100% sure what they sound like. That's how little <laughs> I listen to this album. Like, ah, I don't a lot know what Marker like in the Sand sounds like. Right, right. So it didn't um, leave an impression on you, basically. Exactly. A few songs did that I absolutely adore, right. but most of the album just didn't – I don't hate it, and <laughs> – it's... I'm kind of the same way with it. The songs I recognize, I know that I like, and I remember playing it in the store semi regularly because it was it was a good album. There was no songs that like I couldn't stand, you know, from start to finish. I could just put it on and let it play, and it was cool, you know. Right when I do listen to it all the way through, there's nothing I'll skip. Right. But when I want to listen to something off of yeah. it, I usually just grab those handful of songs that I love, and those are the ones I listen to. Yeah. So, and my my comments on this record. Uh, are going to be the same as uh, my comments for the next two, which are, if I've ever heard a song off of that album, I am unaware of it. I don't think I've heard anything off the last two. Maybe yeah, maybe you're... something here or there, but I, I can't recall. You're definitely into the cult if you're listening to these ones. Yeah, I <laughs> I'd say that's fair. Like, I, don't, I don't know that there was a radio song off of this album at all. Worldwide Suicide might have been played on the radio. I know it was. Was that was the closest one. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't know that it really got much play. I was talking about the two after this, though. I know Brown was saying he hadn't listened to this one at all either, but I was myself, I was referring to the next two. Uh, so the next two, Backspacers, the next one. Um, uh, this, is a, this is an album that I'll, I'll listen to all the way through. It probably has... Maybe my f- my favorite Pearl Jam song changes from time to time. Right now, my favorite Pearl Jam song is off of this album, um, Force of Nature. Um, I think it's lyrically just a great love song in which, I mean, Eddie uses the metaphor of a lighthouse standing by itself on the beach in a storm to stand in for a guy waiting for the love of his life to come back. 
I love I love this song. And it's got a great cathartic guitar solo from Mike to close it out. Right now it's my favorite Pearl Jam song. And when I put this album on, I'll listen to this is like track number ten off of the album. I'll listen to the first nine tracks almost as like just to build myself up to finally get to this song. Um and then it's followed by an incredibly sad song about a dying man <laughs> um, called The End. Um, sometimes I'll skip it just because I don't want to get myself dragged down. <laughs> um, but those are the two songs that stand out to me the most from this album. And then Lightning Bolt. Lightning Bolt. I think that one actually had a radio song off of it. I think Sirens got played on the radio. Um, otherwise, this is, like, like like I've been saying, it's another cult album. Um, the ballads are the strong songs. Um, Sirens is that sort of classic Rocky type of ballad. Um, Sleeping by Myself, another good ballad. Future Days, a great ballad. It's just... It sort of seems on their last few albums that their best songs are the classic rockier, the ballad type of songs. When they do try to revisit like 10 or Versus, it it doesn't seem to really do much. Like, even like for me, Pearl Jam super fan, um, it they're at a point where it's it's their softer, their ballads that are selling albums to me. Um, not it's well, it, something you said right into at, YouTube. What's that? <laughs> they're turning they're into YouTube. YouTube yeah, kind of. <laughs> Which I mean, if you love YouTube, that's not such a bad sure. thing. Well, um, and you know, I love Pearl Jam, so you know, I'm not necessarily complaining, um, but. Um, I'm trying to think. One of the songs I think that tries to be like a hard rocker off this one, I think, is like Mind Your Manners, I think. That was their first single off of it, apparently. Yeah, yeah. It just doesn't do much for me. It just... When they revisit that sound, it doesn't seem to me that they do much interesting with it other than just revisit it. Well, you said said in your intro, and I I agreed with you... um, and I'll kind of extend the thought out a little bit here. Um, you, and I think you're right that they are kind of the last kind of uh, classic rock band. Um, but I think just like the Rolling Stones or the Who, um, those bands that like didn't break up and kept going, you know, um, after mm-hmm. their big flash, um, their creative peak, it was kind of diminishing returns after a certain point. And they're basically at this point, they're putting albums out and touring just cause you know, that's what they do. Um, mm-hmm. they've but kept they've, the same lineup minus the drummer. And now they've got probably the yeah. best drummer they've ever had. Who's been with them for quite a while now. So yeah, Matt Cameron, he was the drummer for Soundgarden, I believe. Yep. Isn't he like the sixth drummer, fifth or sixth? Yes. Yeah, they've had a lot of drummers. <laughs> yeah. They're like um, spinal tap when it comes but to But everyone that. else has, has been there the whole way. Right. He is number five. Dave yeah, Krusen, Matt Dave Chamberlain. Dave Krusen was on the first one, who I think ended up in Candlebox, didn't he? <laughs> Probably. He no, he, he ended up in a band called Unified Irons. Theory. 
Yeah, Cruzen, Chamberlain, Abruzzi, Irons, Cameron. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and and I mean you can't fault them. Like they, that's what they love to do. So um, they don't have to necess- They don't have to prove anything to anybody at this point. Um, people, right. They, pe- they people put out albums that them. sound like Pearl Jam. Yeah, and, and they still put on a great show. When you're a Pearl Jam so. fan, that's great. That's all I ask them for. Yep. I'm definitely a big fan of of Mike McCready's lead playing when they let him go off, which they do on occasion. When they let him go off, that's the one thing that gets me sometimes is they don't always give him the space that I think he should get. That's why I, I why I loved um, Force of Nature so much. His solo at the end isn't very long, but it's it's the perfectly cathartic solo for that song. Yeah, there are, don't let him do that enough. There aren't a ton of uh, yeah. there aren't a ton of he's self taught guitar, guitar right? Like he's not classically trained. I thought I remember reading. That sounds familiar. So like time signatures and whatnot. Like I mean, he's he's definitely a, it's it seems that I want to say that he he definitely plays a lot more by feel and maybe gets sort of um, anybody who's maybe trained in other bands or other projects he's been involved in. He has to rely on them for the technical stuff, but he can really just let it rip. That's all you gotta be able to do. Yeah. <laughs> well, when the band lets you do it. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, and they they there are not a ton of uh, there's some there's some you know they'll do some live stuff where they'll let him go off. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And one thing we didn't haven't talked about um, is first of all uh, their unplugged perform- performance was fantastic, um, especially yep. their version of Porch on that is just nuts. Um, oh, that although, was still the early days too, when it was when it was yeah just starting to break big. Although, uh, foreshadowing some of their weaker moments, the worst part of that uh, performance was during Porch when Eddie stood on the chair and wrote pro-choice on his arm with a Sharpie. <laughs> yep. Like, what the <laughs> Yep. <laughs> what? Um, yep. And, yeah, Eddie and, gets pretty shrill. Yes, he does. Um, and, you know what else we didn't mention are the two awesome songs on the singles soundtrack. Those are a couple of their uh, Oh, yeah, those are good, tracks, too. I think. Those are good, too. Yes. Uh, Breath is a great song. And State of Love and Trust. Yep. Yeah. And State of Love and Trust is a it, State of Love and Trust was one of my first favorite Pearl Jam songs. Yeah, State of Love and Trust um, is great. Um, Yellow Ledbetter was also not on a an album. That, um, that was one of the B sides. Great song. There's some of the, the, the lost the Lost yeah. Dogs, right? There's a there's and and then they have the Lost Dog records. Yeah, B sides. Yeah. yeah, yeah, which is the B sides. Uh, yeah, which is good because yeah. they had a lot of good B sides from those first two albums. Yeah, yeah I think Yellow Ledbetter was a B side on Jeremy. Um, yeah, yep. If I remember correctly, and back um, when they did a, they did a, a was... nice version of uh, "I've Got a Feelings," one of those early B sides. And, right. uh, and then, well, that? I guess we also skipped over probably their single biggest single, which was their cover of "Last Kiss." Oh my <laughs> in, god! Uh, Ninety-nine, which is a song I have a very love-hate relationship with. <laughs> um, that's a, brutal. Uh, to listen I'd still to. say Jeremy's their biggest hit. It's got to be. Um, well, yeah. since 10, yeah. okay. Um, okay. their biggest hit was probably that goofy single that I think they recorded at like a sound check or something. They released <laughs> it to the, to the fan club. Um, and blew and up. For some reason, it took off and got an actual release as a full-blown single. And, I mean, the song sucks. I think the band kills it, but the song sucks. So how, mu- how great can it really be? I don't know. <laughs> Eddie's vocal's pretty great on it. Um, but Eddie's... It, yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. Eddie sings the hell out of that song. I think it's, I think he does great, but the song itself is so sappy and simple and 
how great is it? I don't know. <laughs> but it's like after their first big three albums, it's maybe the only other song that someone who you know isn't in the cult has heard. Maybe do the evolution played to death that summer. Do the evolution was on the radio quite a bit, if I remember correctly. Um, um, I think so because they put a video out with it. So yeah, yeah. that one might have. Uh, Somebody somebody today might remember that song. They would remember Last Kiss. And the other thing I wanted to say for sure uh, is that I saw them live. Um, I believe it was on the Versus Tour. Um, and the nosebleeds at the Delta Center. Um, it, was still a, it was still a great show, though. It was still Pearl Jam. They are great live. Um, and yeah, I saw them well, You saw them back when Eddie was still batshit crazy on stage, right? Yeah. Like climbing all over shit? Yes. Yeah, I saw him. Yeah. I saw him at Lollapalooza. He crowd surfed from the stage all the uh-huh. way to the back of the lawn at, at uh-huh. Lakewood, which is like your typical shed lawn setup. And yeah, he, he, he crowd surfed all the way to the back of the lawn, climbed up the wall at the back of the lawn, stage dove back into the crowd on the lawn, and crowd surfed all the way back to the stage. I can't remember what song. They, they stretched out one song, but... <laughs> Yep. It was amazing. It was super. Yeah. That was awesome. He doesn't do that anymore. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> we get old. Yeah, I, don't I saw them play. Either. I saw them play at Park City, and it was an outdoor venue, and the crowd was all the way up the mountainside, and just went bananas. And you know, they had to tell people to calm down. I mean, it was super high energy, <laughs> a ton of fun. Yeah, yeah, I've seen them twice play um, the arena here in Pittsburgh. Once in, uh, I think it was '03. And then again in 13, I think it was. Um, yeah, he wasn't climbing anything or surfing anywhere, but they play a long set and they'll they'll pull out those those songs that, you know, the, the cult will appreciate. <laughs> the the and th- songs they put that weren't out, even B-sides. They put out all their live shows. You can, you can buy them and download yeah. them, like yep. I think every single one. Yep, yep. they started yep. doing that because – you know, everybody wants the bootleg a concert, and they said, "Well, we'll just release it in some quality yeah. instead." Yep. And because we're all lemmings, we buy them. <laughs> well, I yeah. mean, you're, you're getting a professional recording of any any show. So if uh, something special right. happens, or they play your favorite song that they don't ever play, or it's the show you went to, and you want a great sounding copy of it, boom, you got it. And that's yep. I think that's awesome. I think every yeah, that's super band cool. should do that. Um, yep, I think. The first one of those I bought was like their state college PA performance in 2000. I have that one. It was a great show. I have that one. And I wasn't. What's that? I said I have that one. It's a great show, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. I remember I, they did an Atlanta show. It was broadcast on the radio, and uh, I was working at a CD store at the time. I have that one too. Bootleg, <laughs> and that we sold so many copies of that radio show. It was insane. Yeah, that one's great. I have that one too. They, uh, I remember they uh, were making fun of uh, Ticketmaster, um, and uh, <laughs> at one point they're like, uh, Eddie's like, uh, we don't have to take any thank any sponsors. Uh, there were no fucking sponsors. Uh, um, <laughs> and I guess the the last thing that uh, I have to say, um, and then I'll open it up to the three of you and see anything else that you guys have to say about uh, them is uh, my uncle. Uh, Mike, um, on the other side of the family, not Ryan's side of the family, um, he did custom carpets in Seattle for a long time, um, and Eddie Vedder hired him to do some custom carpets for his house, and he said that, my Uncle Mike said he was shocked because 
Eddie was like the nicest, most down to earth guy that you'll ever meet. He didn't have any airs whatsoever. And in fact, he had a fireman's pole in his house and he let my uncle Mike slide down. That's great. That's definitely bonus points. I mean, the only thing I have to add in their favor is that, you know, Mike, Mike McCready is always talked about how much of a big Ace Frehley fan and Kiss fan he is and has actually, you know, pulled Ace on stage with Pearl Jam uh, to play Rockin' in the Free World a time or two. And uh, so that scores major points for me, of course. <laughs> I do I do have one thing to add. It's uh, relative to Eddie Vedder and, and his uh, – the graciousness that he showed uh, Lane Staley's family when Lane Staley died – and there's a book that's the biography of Allison Chains that came out, and there was an author who wrote it. He's a trained journalist. He tr- he says in the foreword that he was trying to write it and research it sort of in the same vein of Woodward and Bernstein, right? And so he tries to source everything and find contemporaneous evidence uh, and documentation of different accounts. But he related an account that um, – according to Lane Staley's family members, that Eddie Vedder was really, really cool, really, really sympathetic, really sensitive towards the family and showed them a a lot of kindness after he died. So I give him props for that. Sure. Yeah. Pearl Jam's the only one of the big four that remain unscathed at this point, right? (laughs) Yep. Had a couple close calls, but... They have. uh, I know... Mike struggled with heroin addiction. Yep. Jeff had and pills. And I believe Eddie's had his problems with alcohol. <laughs> yep. Jeff was on pills, um, prescription mm-hmm. pills. Yeah. Um, but uh, but they have survived. They came out of that yep. scene that has wrought so much destruction, and they have survived. Yep. Yeah. They just released a single a couple weeks ago. Um, I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. It was a political song. So you can imagine yeah. <laughs> what it probably sounded like. Um, but um, yeah, why don't you give your uh, your final thoughts here, Matt? Oh, um, <laughs> uh, I don't know what more I would have to say about them. I mean, they're that's fine. Too. My they were my last favorite band. Like when I was growing up. Every year I'd have a new favorite band or something. Once Pearl Jam became my favorite band, I haven't found another band that I've loved more than them. Um, Eddie's songwriting, when they let when they let Mike go on the guitar, their ability to write a rocker and then put out an equally moving ballad, there's... I can't say they've put out bad work, just work that's sometimes disappointing. Like, Binaural is just the perfect epitome of that. It's just a disappointing album. It's not a bad one. There's there's nothing I hate on it. It's just disappointing. And then, to me, just so many great albums. And, you know, as um, Andy kind of alluded to, they've had the chance to put out all of those albums. They're all still here. The band is still together, yeah. uh, alive. Um, their and contemporaries productive. didn't necessarily have the chance to put together the career uh, that Pearl Jam did, um, but what they did with it um, has always 
spoken a lot to me, and it will be a uh, very uh, sad, quiet day when any one of their numbers um, finally comes up uh, in my uh, household here. They've probably got another solid uh, 15, 20 years in them, I would guess. Shit, I hope. We'll probably see. more than that based on past history of bands that have a name, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, as they start di- dropping one by one, they'll uh, probably keep hiring somebody to keep the machine going. Yeah, I mean, shit. That's and usually who's still how it touring? goes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Fleetwood Mac uh, apparently just fired Lindsey Buckingham, uh, yeah, to which my thought was... With, uh, Fleetwood with Mike Campbell, yeah. And Fleetwood Mac is still touring? What? Yeah. <laughs> <So>. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I found that out, I think, because I follow uh, Tom Petty's Facebook page, and they posted that then Mike Campbell was in Fleetwood Mac now. That was my thought. Yeah. Fleetwood well, then, Mac is still what? a thing? <laughs> and then someone asked, well, does that mean the Heartbreakers are breaking up? And I was like, well, they kind of lost their Oh, front wait, a <laughs> yeah, wait a second. Wait a second. All right, so that that was Pearl Jam, and uh, well done on that, Matt. Um, and if you would like to, you're more than welcome to uh, stick around while we go through Alice in Chains. That should be shorter because Alice in Chains did not yeah. have very long. Um, or you can <laughs> uh, go gap. to bed because you have to work tomorrow. So, I'll give it a shot. All right. 